0: I was reading a a blog the other day by a person. It was a lady. I don't know whether she was a young lady or she wasn't a young lady, but I'll say she was a lady. And she was telling about how she was abused in a megachurch. And I'm not saying anything negative about megachurches, but what she said was a lot of things about the megachurch that she had been attending, and and she'd been abused by them. And she was using that as a justification of not going to church at all. That was her justification. And I I thought, you know, you missed it. If all your faith was, was just simply going to church and it was nothing else but getting involved in that church. And so that church offended you or abused you. And now you won't go to church. Then you don't understand what church is really for. You don't understand what it is. See, we may think that we have the option of going to church and calling Jesus Lord and, and be faithful as faithful believers, but we don't. We can't simply say, I'm just as Christian as I would be in a sense of I'm walking the walk like I need to walk, whether I'm in the church or outside of the church. Now, the problem I have with this message that I'm about to preach is I'm preaching to the people in church. You're not the ones that I really think need to hear this message. Do you understand? Except that possibly maybe we could understand that there are those people that we know that are our neighbors and our friends, and they're not coming to church. And they say, well, I'm a believer. And they, they may say, well, you know, I, I do a lot of good things for the Lord. And they probably do. But we need to say they need the church too. And we need to do what we can to urge them to be in church. Now, why is that? Why is that? First, the church is a work of God. It is a work of God, you know. God is the one who provides the church. When Peter had declared that Jesus was the son of God, Jesus said to him in Matthew chapter sixteen, eighteen. he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. It says here that God builds his church. It's not about us. It's about God building his church. He's going to build it on what foundation? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That is the, that is the foundation in which we build the church. But it is God that builds the church. I think a lot of people think, well, God needs people who are going to sing and worship him. And that's why he gave us the church. God is already complete without us. Do you understand? God is already complete without us. He's not a codependent God. He's not saying, boy, if they don't do that, I'm going to really feel bad today. That's not who God is. Understand this. You see, but why did God build his church? The church was built for us. It's, tr- it's built for us, folks. You see, God has a purpose in everything he does. Now, I'm going to say those words over and over to you in the next few weeks. I want you to hear that. God has a purpose in everything that he does. It says in Proverbs 16:4. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. What he's saying here is, is that God didn't make wicked people wicked, but he did give them free will. And he uses the wickedness that they have done in order to do what he wants to do anyway. He has a purpose in everything and he builds his church with a purpose. God builds the church so that you will walk with him. So he'll walk with you. Now, I realize you guys are not dogs. I don't pretend that you're dogs, okay? But I'm going to give you a dog illustration. About 30-something years ago, uh, my daughters were fairly young at that time. They were about 10 and I don't remember what age, 10, 8, and 6, I think, maybe a little older than that. But anyway, but bottom line is they wanted a dog. Now, we looked on, in the paper, and somebody had a beagle. And they had this beagle, and it was in their small apartment. Do you know what a beagle is? A beagle's not a dog for a small apartment, and so we had an acre and a quarter yard, and so they gave us that beagle. And when that beagle went out, I'm going to tell you what that beagle did. That beagle would run in that yard. An acre and a quarter is a good piece of uh, property for a beagle to land on. To go on, she would she would howl at the moon. She would incessantly bark at every hot air balloon that came over to make sure it never landed in our yard like it would have in the first place. And she would bring us offerings. Offerings of rabbits and squirrels and moles. And she'd leave them on the porch. You understand? That dog loved being in that yard. You see what the environment was? If you were kept in an apartment complex and you were a dog and you were a beagle, that's not the that's not the type of place for beagle but that yard was a place for the for that beagle you see the church is the environment that god has created and made for you so that you can walk with him it is the best environment there it, for it's the people make up the church the people make up the church 1 Corinthians 3 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. We often refer to the church building as the church, but church buildings can be destroyed. You understand that possibly someday they're going to tear this place down. And okay, that's normal. But God said the gates of Hades will not be able to overpower the church. He's not talking about physical buildings, obviously. He says, and by the way, folks, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're already a part of the church. But we speak of church membership as such a place that you will be focusing on. That's the place that you focus on your, your membership of the church. See, God, Jesus chose 12 disciples. He limited himself to one location at one time. When he was on earth, he was one location at one time. But he had to focus on those 12, even though he preached the thousands, thousands and thousands. But he focused on those 12 in the same way. People can attend different church every week, but you cannot expect to be focused on the Lord's work if you're attending a different church every week. See, church people, as we already read in the scriptures here, church people form the body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, Now, you are Christ's body and individually parts of it. There is no part of the body that can be separated from the rest of the body and still be alive. In fact, there's some parts of the body. If you remove that part of the body, then the rest of the body dies. In other words, if you cut off your little toe, your little toe will die. If you leave it off there, it's going to die. On the other hand, if you take out the heart, the rest of the body is going to die. You understand that? You see, the greatest illustration of the church, we always say, well, we're a family. That's really not the greatest illustration. The greatest illustration of the church is a body. A body because you may not need some of the people in your family. You understand that? But you need every part of your body. Understand that completely. And each part needs the other part. Let's say I go to uh, to NASCAR. And I say, NASCAR, I said, I know how to make your cars faster. And they say, well, tell us about it. Well, you need to lower the weight on the car. If you get less weight in the car, your, your cars can go faster. And I can remove something that has nothing to do with how fast your car goes. And you can get that weight and you, you can get your car faster. Tell, tell us what it is. I say, it's the brakes. You see? And I guarantee you, folks... That every driver is going to say, no way. Do the brakes have anything to do with making the car go faster? Nope. (laughs) But they have something to do with finishing the race. I can guarantee you that. You understand what is going on there. They need the brakes. Even though it doesn't look like the brakes are doing anything to make the car go faster, you must have the brakes. You are needed even if you cannot see what part you play in this. What we recognize is, is that Jesus is the head of the church. It says in Colossians 1.18, He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. See, people who come to church sometimes think that they have the right to decide what the church should do. And that's a problem with a lot of business meetings. See, we've asked sometimes, we ask people who haven't prayed for one minute to make a vote on something that needs to happen within the church. And so, but have we ever thought maybe we ought to go to the head of the church first and then decide what we need to do? You understand what I'm saying to you? See, God builds the church and has a purpose for the church. And the church has Jesus as the head of the church. For a purpose must have a leader. And a lot of times people say, well, that's the pastor. Really? Do you think that God would take a fallible person and make it, put him in ultimate control? You really think that's what should happen? You know, well, I believe that the pastor should listen to the Lord. I do believe that, absolutely. I believe that the, the pastor should be able to say, this is what I believe the Lord wants us to do. But I do not believe in the pastor's vision, which I've heard and read about in so many books. I'm saying, I don't believe in the pastor's vision. I believe in the Lord's vision. If it's not the Lord's vision, what are we doing in the first place with it? And so each person needs to be able to go to the Lord to discern whether or not this is what the Lord wants us to do. Is this what the Lord wants us to do? Not what we think we ought to do, not what the pastor thinks we ought to do, but what the Lord expects us to do we are called uh, uh, and what it is called when a part of the body starts what is it called when a part of the body starts growing cells uh, that are working against the life of the body we call it cancer don't we we call it cancer it starts growing and cancer works to kill the body cancer works against the head and all of its directions cancer must be removed if the body is to continue to live this is what we, re- we recognize in, in, the, in talking about body. Deciding on our own without listening to the Lord is like cancer. That is what it's like. It's like cancer. And that's why we post every motion that we have. And we've given you the opportunity to look at those motions and then you have the opportunity to pray about those motions so that when you come, you can say, I believe this is what the Lord wants us to do. Not simply because I think it's expedient, not simply because I think it's, it's um, what everybody else wants to do, or not simply because I think that's what the pastor wants us to do, because I believe this is what the Lord wants us to do. So we were giving you the opportunity to pray, to recognize the pastor's not the, the leader in this. The church is not the leader in this. The Lord is the head of the church. Then each believer is gifted to work in the church. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, For just as we have many parts in one body and all have the parts do not have the same function, so we... Who are many, are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another. However, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly. We function according to the spiritual gifts that have been endowed upon us. When you became a believer, the Holy Spirit came into you and gave you spiritual gifts that you are to function on in. Your gifts, every last one of them, every last one of them is needed in the church. You know, remember, God does everything with a purpose. His ultimate purpose is that every last one of us have an intimate experience with Him, that we all walk with Him. He wants us to know Him like He already knows us. And the process will take eternity for us. But He has gifted us to draw us closer to Himself and those around us. Both things should happen. We should grow up, be drawn closer to him and closer to each other at the same time. Uh, a football team, for example. A football team has a purpose. You recognize that. You might be watching a football game this afternoon. I don't know if you are or not, but uh, the purpose is what? We want to beat that other team. In other words, we want to score and we want to keep the other team from scoring. But let's say the coach says, you know what? I think we're going to spice this thing up a lot. I think I need to take my 340-pound offensive lineman and make him a defensive back today. Okay? Well, he would be a terror out there if he could catch that wide receiver, wouldn't he? But he's not going to catch that wide receiver because he's not built for that that part. He doesn't have that part because he's not built for that part. I got to admit, though, I have a, you can have nightmares to think there might be a 340-pound guy out there that's playing defensive safety that has the speed of a wide receiver, but that doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. See, the team sees the need for the rest of the team, or the team will fail. We need to recognize that all of us need, every last one of us, there's a danger in football, especially in college, is recruiting all five-star retru- recruits that think that they're the ones that hung the moon and stars. Because when they think they're the only one that is doing all this stuff, they are the stuff, there's no team that you have there. That's why Nick Saban, you probably heard him way back when they were praising these t- uh, team members of him. He said, you're giving them rat poisoning. That's what he called it, rat poisoning. Because he, you see, when, when one says, I don't need the rest of you, your team's going to fail. Your team's going to fail, I guarantee it. When you think that and you don't work together, your team's going to fail. See, the local church is God's plan for us to work together. We are to work together. And yes, God expects church attendance too. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and let us consider how to encourage one another to love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, we are to, it's funny here, we are to, I put encourage up <laughs> uh, one another. I actually, um, I, was, I put build up in there and then I wrote encourage when I got it there. So, but I don't mind putting encourage up. We're to encourage one another. We encourage one another effectively if we're going to be a part of the local church encouragement is what you need to be. You need to be an encourager and you need to be encouraged at sometimes. Otherwise, if we, if we don't get to know each other and if we don't get to encourage each other, what happens to us is we're like those performers that get up the, on the stage and there's, you know, there's 25,000 people out there and they say, I love every one of you. You got to know people in order to really love them. You can't just love every one of them like that. And we can't encourage one another like we need to until we get to know each one of us. And you can't get to know each other from a distance. One of the things that we learned through COVID was that participating in a worship service online was not the same as participating in person. We learned that. You see, COVID taught us that that a virtual presence was an absolute absence. This is what we learned. Now, it has a place. It has a place. I want you to understand that. People can check out our church, and there's lots of things they can do. They can be on vacation, and they can still feel like they're a part of it or something like that. But a continually just watching it online is not going to be very effective. The person who fails to assemble with the assembly grows cold toward the assembly. The person that doesn't show up is going to grow cold. It's like the coal is taken out of the fire. You take that coal, it's burning, it's hot. You separate it out from the fire, you set it over there and the fire goes out. That happens all the time. So we need to burn brightly by being together and meeting together. Therefore, a church needs to be more than just friendly. I'll say this again and again. It must be loving and it must be full of grace. You see, it should be so loving that people will break in here just to be a part. It should be that kind of loving. You see, people don't want a friendly church. They want a place where they can make friends. I'll let you know that. As friends, we have a purpose. And that is to see our friends walk with God. And you're abandoning your purpose if you just casually have failed to attend. You abandon what you're supposed to be doing. You see, your purpose is to draw people in, to bring them in close. You invite them to church. You need them. In fact, I'm going to preach a whole message next week on people need friends. Because everybody needs friends. And they need friends that they're going to help them walk the way they need to walk. Not friends that are going to lead them the wrong way in all of this. And you never have enough friends. Church members fulfill the purpose of the church. It is going to be the church members. It says in Matthew 28:18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What is it to make disciples? Well, disciples must obey the Lord if they're to walk with him. One of the first acts that a person needs to, if, after they've come to know Christ, the acts of obedience is baptism. The second is found in teaching and being taught. Those two things must happen. See, people aren't disciples of Jesus Christ until they obey what the Lord has said to them. You see, if you note our emblem, when you see our emblem around? It has three words on it. It says, reach, teach, obey. Let me tell you about that emblem. You see, you haven't really reached someone until you taught them. You really, it's not about just attendance. It's about teaching them. And you haven't really taught them until they obey. And they haven't really obeyed until they reach people. You understand? This goes all the way around. It's not a matter of it's—you could start anywhere. If you want to start on obey first, you can start on obey first because you haven't obeyed if you're not reaching people. You can go all the way around that thing. And you say, we need to reach people, we need to teach people, we need to obey, and then we need to reach people. Then we teach people, then we obey. That's our emblem. You can start at any point. People need the church. I want to ask you about if your neighbor you know somebody you know somebody in your neighborhood maybe they 're not going to church, but let me ask you about this: if your neighbor was starving and you knew it, would you take them food? Yeah, you would, and if you saw your neighbor getting beat up by somebody, would you go over there and defend them? Yes, you would well, let me tell you what 's going on in our world today for a lot of people, and they may not even recognize it. You see. They're, they're starving because they have a spiritual need and we need to help them in that. Maybe we need to send them to another church, not this church, but what we need to do is help them get into a church. We, they're getting beat up by this world because this world is rough and it'll beat you up. And if you don't have those friends and, and people that are going to encourage you at some times when you need that encouragement, you need to be that person to encourage somebody with that, then what you're going to find is you're going to get beat up. People need the church. We all need the church. You need a local church. Now, I want to say this up front. This might not be the one you need. That's between you and the Lord. But I will ask you this, but please be honest. Please be honest with this. Why are you here if God doesn't want you here? Tell me that. Let's pray.